0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Go. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being patient with our children's check-in. We weren't expecting a million kids on Easter for some reason. <laughs> How are we doing, Venue Airdrie? Come on in, guys. Thank you for being patient with us. Come on in. We've got some room for you up here and scattered around. You might have to sit beside somebody and make some friends, Canadians. Turn to somebody and say, he is risen. Oh, turn to some... now, um, now turn to your uh, second choice on the other side and say, he's risen for you too. It's okay. You're know, my first choice. You're my, you're my... Now turn back to your favorite person and say, hey, I'm coming back next week because I want to see Nate Pacini from Substance Church. Your life and uh, my life are made up of moments. Of moments. Uh, Your life today will be made up of, of moments. You may have had a fight with your spouse on the way to the Easter service because that's what happens on the way to church. And life is made up of moments. She didn't share her chocolate. I got you covered. Pastor's got you covered. We've got 80,000 chocolate Easter eggs happening in the field out there right after the summer. So relax, we'll get you some chocolate. We'll get you some chocolate. Your, your, your life is made up of of moments. Of, of moments. Moments stack upon other moments and create other moments, but they all start with, with a moment somewhere. Uh, your life uh, this morning, you are going to have a, a moment. And we have this uh, thing where... We think that we recognize the moments for what they are. We think that we are, are good at recognizing moments, but uh, how, how often do we recognize moments? See, see, the river that is your life and the river that is the lives of your children and the people surrounding you, the, the, where your small business goes to, uh, where your life goes to, the river that eventually uh, becomes a massive winding thing and cuts down through rock, the, that river starts uh, in a moment, uh, a small a trickle w- with a well-placed um, pebble. Uh, a moment in time that, that one inch here is 10 miles uh, down there. It begins with, with a moment. You'll have a a moment with God today like you had a moment with your wife on the way to church. You'll have a a moment, but the moments that happen uh, to us, uh, they're disguised. They're disguised as trouble. I've been preaching a whole series about death and life and lived, I repeat. This whole cycle, you have to understand how heaven views the death cycle. See, death is just the beginning of another life. And so, 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 the moments that happen, they come out of uh, pain and turmoil. I don't know what brought you here, but I know that he is risen. Yeah, yeah. Now, now here's, here's what I want for you. I know that he is risen, but I don't know that he's risen in you yet. You have a moment. You have a moment. The disciples, uh, when he was resurrected, had a moment. See, Christ was risen and Christ was all of that. And he needed not our, our, our praise to make him more God and more risen and more resurrected and more the Prince of Heaven than he was. But whether he rises in you or not, will you, will you see the moment for what it is? I have a moment when, uh, uh, when my daughter comes into my office. My office is in my home, which means my wife and I, we get to live together. And we get to watch TV together. And we get to work together. It's <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> During the day, we're just all like, give each other back rubs and stuff. I'm very focused when I'm working, so everybody gets pulled into this, you know, thing that's me and what I'm wanting to do. And, and uh, so I get in these incredible uh, moments of focus, but then another moment approaches, and, it, and Katie walks in the door, uh, my, my 12-year-old girl. She walks in, and she wants to spend 17 minutes uh, talking about her cooking class at school. And I'm d I just needed a moment. <laughs> but see, I have this other moment. You, you have an argument with your mom. You, you have a, a disagreement with a friend. It's a moment that, that will decide the future. It's just a pebble in a stream now. It doesn't feel like much now. It's a moment that decides where the river goes in the life of your children, in, in the life of your friendships, in the life of, of the future generations coming. It's just a moment. It's a moment. I had a, a friend of mine named Andy that... Uh, wasn't great at recognizing moments, but he had them. Oh, oh, he had them. And he had a heart of gold. And I remember on his, um, everybody who has a heart of gold means they have no emotional uh, filter. And they generally marry uh, people we call handlers. Uh, so, so welcome. Come on in, guys. Just find a seat. It's, it's all good. We love you. Can you just give a, a hand clap to everybody who had to wait so patiently? Thank you so much. You'll forgive us because you have to. It's Easter. Yeah, have a, a moment. Andy had a moment one time. It was his 50th uh, birthday, a surprise birthday. And his wife uh, named Pearl the Handler threw him a surprise birthday. And so uh, I drove up to the house like everybody else did. And, um, and we walked in and I said to Pearl, where do you want us to park the car? Because we can't park the car on the driveway or out on the street, Right? <laughs> And she goes, she says this, oh, Andy's not going to notice. <laughs> Andy's not going to notice. Every person came in, asked the same question, and every person ended up being told just to park in the driveway, park on the street. It's all good. Andy's not going to notice his moment. So I pull my shoes off in the entryway, and then my, um, I asked, where should I put my shoes? Because 20 extra pairs of shoes is a moment. And Pearl says, uh, some, some, some of you know who I'm talking about. Pearl says, he's not going to notice. Just leave them all there. 20 pairs of shoes in the entryway. Just leave them all there. He's not going to notice. He, um, I'm like, well, should, we, should we keep quiet? And she says, you can. But he's not going to notice. He's starting to get it. He's not going to notice. So we're all in the bonus room on the other side of the house, and we see Andy come in the door. He, he's, he's had to Weave through the cars in his driveway and past the street. And he walks into the entryway, trips over 20 pairs of shoes that don't belong to him, takes his shoes off, puts them on top of the other 20 pairs of shoes. (laughs) It's like strike one in the street, and then strike two in the entry. And then he walked into the bonus room, and we yelled, surprise. And we weren't being quiet. And we yelled, surprise, and Andy. (laughs) I'm not pleased to, to say it, but I've never seen a man have four simultaneous heart attacks. But He did. We're all like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Andy. Andy, are you okay? I just, I am okay. Y'all just listen to gospel music? Andy had another moment. See, but his moment was disguised because he wasn't thinking about the moment. You come to Easter and, and something else drove you here, something else made you come, chocolate, something else made you show up here, and you're gonna have a moment. You're gonna trip over shoes, you're gonna trip over you're gonna trip over something, but will you recognize the moment that you're in? And see Andy, Andy. had another moment by a train. Uh, Andy used to work night shifts and, and Andy got real tired, and so Andy he drives up to the train. There's only one car in front of him. And this is like an old school train track. So all the bells and whistles are going. And well, there's a train <laughs> right in front of him, making all this noise. And Andy falls asleep in the, in the driver's seat. Just, Andy's gone. His wife is here. His kids are in the car. And then Andy wakes up and, oh, my goodness, he's going to hit a train. <laughs> he, he puts the car in reverse slams into the guy behind him. It was a friend of his. A brand new truck. Just drove it off the lot. Slams into him. Strike one, Andy. And then he puts it in drive. He screeches up to the person in front, but doesn't hit them. But still a swing and a miss. And then he puts it in reverse and um, got him again. And he gets out of the car and he's like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay? What do you do, man? Andy. Your Your life and my life are made up of moments. And you and I think that we will be enough in the moment to understand what the moment is for. But they come so disguised that you and I don't. And we wake up in the moment. And see, the moment looks like an argument with... The moment looks like uh, the debt that you face. The moment looks like the trouble or the employee or you're looking for a job. See, the moment never looks like a good moment. And in the moment, what you and I try to do is we try to control uh, the moment and control the outcome of the moment. And uh, if, if you're a churchgoer or you believe in God, what we do then is we ask God to save us from the moment To save us, are you ready? From the situation that you find yourself in. So you're here at church and you're asking God for something today. You're here asking God to save you from the situation that you find yourself in. Um, But that's not really how God works. See, God wants to save you for the situation. Now from the situation. He he wants to save you for the brokenness that, that you face. He wants to save you. Uh, for that, the disappointment that you're going to face later today and the betrayal tomorrow and a month from now, everything is going to fall off the rails and we, we, uh, we have this moment today that might decide uh, the moment tomorrow. You got today, but you don't know yet because you think that today is about today, but it's not. Jesus has been uh, buried and is in a grave. I've been preaching in this series about how sin and life and death, how, how it affects us all. I started back in, in the Garden of Eden uh, with the apple between us and God, then I actually talked about the apple between boys and girls. Was that a good one? Ooh, shoot, it was tense in here, but I was brave. I live with five women. I'm not afraid of you. I'm a little afraid of you. Y'all y'all hunting packs. Talk about the life and, and death cycle. Then last week, we talked about the, the unwinding, the death before the resurrection. See, God would revive that thing in your life. I'll, I'll bet you he would if you would uh, take it off of life support. But as long as you've got your, your sticky little fingers in there, you're trying to control the outcome. But unless you let go, you can't let God. You've got to let, let go of it and let God. A woman named Mary goes to the tomb. Uh, Mary is in a state right now because so are all of the disciples, so are all of the followers of Jesus. See, when Jesus came, they thought they had a moment that they were going to be free from Rome. Rome is that thing in your life that is like a chain on your neck. That if you, you think to yourself, if I just wasn't facing this addiction, if I just uh, didn't have this brokenness, if we hadn't got divorced, if I wasn't facing this crushing debt, if I hadn't uh, bought that, that, that truck... You had a moment. You said, just, I just want to look, honey. I just, And then you, told, you didn't tell her you were going to look. You told her after and said, I was just looking. And she's like, why did you drive this home? Are you delivering it for somebody? And you say, sort of. You have a moment when, when, and the disciples were having a moment here because they, they just wanted, they thought that when Jesus said, I'm going to be the king, they thought, okay, good, Rome is going to be gone. They, they thought, oh, this chain around our neck is going to be gone. This, this thing that is tormenting us, these soldiers, they're going to leave, right? Because he's going to be a king like the other kings. But see, he came to be king and came to, to take away an oppressor that was much worse than Rome could ever be. Rome came from outside of them but um, sin and the effects of it and death come from inside of you. There was a salvation that needed to happen in you. Uh, that, that no amount of freedom outside of you, Canadians, no amount of freedom outside of you can, can get you free on the inside of you. And early on Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Let me just back that up uh, for a sec, if we could just uh, stop there. The one whom Jesus loved. If you didn't grow up in Sunday school, uh, this author's name was John. And because John was a young man and likely a millennial, somebody born in the 80s and 90s, he was a humble soul. And rather than just say... uh, Peter and I ran to the tomb. He said, um, Peter and the one whom Jesus loved. (laughs) It's always the baby of the family, right? Neela thinks that she's the favorite. By far. She feels that dad loves her more than all of the other children put together. Times a million. It wouldn't matter. I could have 50 kids and she would still be the favorite. The one whom Jesus loved. A humble soul. I'm not going to give you my name, but. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple uh, outran Peter, because he was faster and better looking, and reached the tomb first. All right, millennials, are you ready for some old man strength here? Here's Peter. Now, uh, when Peter finally gets there, he's breathing a bit hard, but... Uh, since then see, see, he got there, but he forgot millennials. That he forgot that there's a finish line. Participation. We are all winners. But Peter's an old man, and he has old man strength. He he knows. Um. There's also this other thing. He he got in and he looked in the tomb, but he didn't go in. Now you might be here. Um, checking it out, you might be here looking in the tomb, but I wonder if you'll go in. You might be here uh, looking, but I don't know that you'll go in. Peter, uh, they started out, he reached the tomb first, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, in verse 6, arrived and uh, dove inside, man. He just, John's there, he's standing there looking all confused and millennial, and Peter just, do do doo boom, I'm in. It's the last blue blue ribbon. (laughs) He also noticed that the linen wrappings, uh, the linen wrappings uh, lying there, they used to wrap the bodies up. They said 75 pounds of spices would be wrapped into linen uh, around the body of Christ. And when, While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, there are so many, I couldn't even go through all the, the ways that we know that Jesus was resurrected. Other than the hundreds of eyewitnesses who later went on to be tortured and die for their faith. This is not a religion where you believe something and it gets you to heaven. This is a, a, a relationship with a person who gets you there. That's how this works. And so, you get there. Now, if somebody had stolen the body, uh, has anybody seen The Mummy? Okay, to get somebody out of the linen uh, wrappings, you'd have to cut them out. It's gross, I'm just telling you. But but what had happened was Jesus was no longer there. The linen was all lying there and the headpiece was folded neatly off to the side. It's just a little thing. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, because everybody wins. And he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then, very interesting, then they went home. And they went home. Then, then you and I are going to go eat some chocolate, and then what? And then what? They didn't know what to do, but they missed their moment. They just went home. See, something had changed, but it hadn't changed them. They, hadn't, they didn't stay around long enough for, for the, that watch. But Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in. This is when your life gets in a fog and you're having a moment, but because it's so painful, you can't see clearly. Like, I can put this iPad up to my face, and I can see that it's there. Some of you have been going to church for 30 years. You, you're so close to God, but you can't read what he's written. What he's, what he's written. You're so close to it, but you can't see the problem. You're so close to your marriage, you can't see the problem. Man, when my marriage ran into trouble, I was upset. Why? Because there was nothing that I cared about more than that. And I didn't know how to fix it. And then people gave me advice. You ever get advice from people about how to fix your life? I'm not even going to go there. Thank God. We're together. We're doing good, in case you're wondering. By the grace of God and our small group. (laughs) She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone right, saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. This is, this is where it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. See, you think that in the moment when you are face to face with God that you would recognize him but the thing is uh, unresurrected eyes cannot see a resurrected see Jesus had been changed but she, but she had not right you can go to church and and watch as as the risen one comes and not have it happen inside of you You can be around the people of God but not have that resurrected life happen inside of you because it doesn't happen through osmosis, it happens out of relationship. And so, uh, Paul, you remember the Apostle Paul? Well, he started off persecuting the Christians. He had spent, here was, I mean, you think you're so smart Canadians, uh, just give me one minute. He was one of the best intellects in all of Israel. He had spent his entire life studying the scriptures, ended up persecuting the church of Christ, until God knocks him down on the road to Damascus, and he's like, who did? Like, LOL. (laughs) Like, what happened? Who are you? I had no idea this was... But his eyes had not been resurrected. You and I are so sure in the moment. You're so sure of what you know about God until the real resurrected God shows up and you find out that you don't know him at all. You had made this other thing that looked a little like God and a lot like you, a Franken-Jesus. This is what we call it, a Franken-Jesus. But not the resurrected Savior. And Mary is here. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the garden. The gardener. She, Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go uh, get him. The gardener. Our text here is uh, just about over, but the gardener. Uh, that word gardener has just been in my mind all week. The, the gardener. You think that you know everything there is to know about God. You have this belief in God, but he's either so far or so close that you don't really have this relationship because there's no space between you called honor where he gets to be God because that's where you're trying to be. And that word gardener, it's just in my, in my head and in my heart this week, and I'm thinking, the gardener. You see the, the life of your newborn son and you see him, him breathing but you don't see that the breath that he breathes is the breath of God. Your children somehow uh, are quick to learn things, but in that you don't see that that was the seed of heaven. Your friend forgives you for something awful that you've done, but you don't see that that was the, the gift of God to forgive. You see somebody whose life has been torn apart, by awful things that have been done to them. And all we are is jealous because our lives were pretty easy. And well, how come they're so full of joy? And how come they have this thing with Jesus that we don't have? And how come they're kind of healed? But you miss the, the seed of heaven in that. The gardener. The gardener. We hold our human intellect up so high, but then I got thinking, the gardener. The, the gardener of the tomb, The, the gardener. Are you, are you ready for this? No No Shakespeare... No, no human intellect could foreshadow what had happened here. No, no, no soliloquy would, would ever be able to, to patch in the complexity layered over millennia that we find here. The gardener. She thought he was the gardener in the Garden of Edom. Ready? The Garden of Edom. God the Father comes down and says, Adam, where are you? And mankind hid. We hid, and we did our best to cover ourselves with our righteous deeds, but they, they were never going to be enough to buy us back to Christ. And we hid in the garden, and then uh, uh, several days before in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus comes, and he's bearing the weight of the possibility of the cross and what's going to happen and what it's going to cost. And he picks the best of his disciples and says, Come and pray with me for one hour in the Garden of Gethsemane. Come in just one hour. Can you come and pray with me? He's sweating like great drops of, of blood in his anguish. And he comes back and he says, couldn't you pray with me for one hour? And now they're in the, the garden of the tomb. And she thinks that it's the gardener. And she's not wrong. Thousands of years he have been preparing the seed and, and tending it. And when the time was, was ripe, he came down. And... But but, but mankind's uh, one, two, three strikes from we hid to we slept to we still don't see him right in front of us. And he says, "Fine, I'll do it for you. Let me, I got this. I'll do it for you, and And his breath, see, he doesn't swing and miss his breath that. That had just uh, breathed mankind into existence in the blink of an eye some thousands and thousands of years before that same breath that was forced out on the cross. He said in the Hebrew, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which, which is translated into our tongue. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That same breath now cries out to his heavenly father who turned his holy eyes away from him and poured out the wrath that was due our sins on Christ. And, and in a, a shaking and in a breaking that the angels of God would have cried out no because this is a sundering that you can't even imagine together from before time began and we'll always be together but in one moment there was a separation there when Jesus hung on a cross and the wrath of God came on him to pay our sins in full. Father, forgive them, he said, for they know not what they do. Then he breathed out his last, he breathed out his spirit, and he gave it up of his own But see, All of that was not enough, and all of that won't be enough to save me. All of that will not be enough to save uh, Mary, and all of it won't be enough to save you. There is one more thing that he said. He need not speak his own name. He knows who he is. Uh, But um, there's just one more verse. He said something else that, he said, Mary, 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 he spoke her name, and uh, I think this Easter morning he just spoke your name, I wonder what you will do with him.